you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. What's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? And welcome to episode number 68 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I am your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? Hope everyone had a delightful yet super duper weekend. You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. Wow. Celtics have won seven games in a row and 10 out of their last 11. They are currently 37 and 15. They are three games ahead of the Miami Heat for the third spot in the Eastern Conference. They're only a game and a half behind of the Toronto Raptors in the Atlantic Division and for the number two seed overall. And I believe they are currently four or five games up on the 76ers. Who would have thought? Seriously, going into the season on paper, who would have thought that would actually be the case? But it is what it is, and I love it. Celtics won all four games that they had this week, and they have two big upcoming games against the Houston Rockets and the Los Angeles Clippers before the All-Star break this weekend. The All-Star break should be a lot of fun, especially with Tatum doing the Taco Bell Skills Challenge. He's the defending champ of that. Hopefully he wins that. And then Kemba and Tatum will be in the All-Star game, which will be really, really cool to see, not only for Kemba, but also for Jason Tatum as well. I just want to start off this podcast right away, and I just want to get the elephant out of the room because I know a lot of people have tweeted me, texted me, Facebook commented, etc., etc. Let's get the elephant out of the room and talk about Romeo Langford, shall we? Romeo Langford had himself a week, and that doesn't mean we need to think he's the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because he's far from it. Uh, I want to congratulate Romeo, and I, I mean this wholeheartedly. I want to congratulate Romeo for getting his first career NBA start. It was actually a pretty funny story about how he texted his parents saying that he was getting his, he was starting in the game tonight, and his parents responded with, with the Celtics or with the main red claws. So that right then and there just shows you maybe a lottery pick shouldn't be uh, having that type of conversation with their parents, but it is what it is. He's been struggling through injuries all year, and I have to give him his respect. He could be really frustrated about it, and he's decided not to be. So I respect Romeo Langford for that. Also, got to congratulate him on scoring a career-high 16 points, even though it was first the Atlanta Hawks, the 14-win Atlanta Hawks. And I also have to say this. We know Romeo going in was athletic. He's very long. His length was a key. And he was very good defensively. We all know these things. And his defense definitely stood out to me when he started against the Orlando Magic. Uh, He was covering Evan Fournier, even though Evan Fournier ended up with 24 points. I thought he did a reasonable job with Evan Fournier. With that being said, you then look Sunday, or yesterday, I should say, against the Oklahoma City Thunder. He picked up three fouls in eight minutes. He was couldn't stay on his feet for the absolute life of them. He was all over the place, and you could sense that the level of competition versus a 14-win Miami Hawk team versus a 30-win team Oklahoma City Thunder team, who's won... 
I think the, the Thunder were going into that game one nine out of their last ten. You could definitely sense that he may not, may not be ready for the moment, which is why I have never been a big fan of the Romeo Langford trade. He has played well with two wings being out, but can he get minutes when everyone is healthy? Brad gave him that opportunity on Sunday versus the Oklahoma City Thunder, and he failed a great deal. And here's the thing. I hope I'm wrong about Romeo Langford. I really am. I, If the Celtics drafted him at, you know, 26th, 27th, 28th, 29th, or even 33rd where they drafted Carson Edwards, I don't think I'd be that upset with the pick. My frustration is the fact that the Celtics took him a person who's injury prone, who only shot 27% from three. That was my issue. You can't draft someone with all those question marks as a lottery pick. So it is what it is. Okay. But you know me when I'm, I always try and find the negatives in something and Romeo had a great week. I'm not going to take that away from him. I don't think he's going to be getting a lot of playoff minutes. And if he does, fine as long as he excels in those moments and I hope I'm wrong about Romeo I really and truly do but because I find negative things in everything he was a minus nine versus the Hawks so even though he had a career high he was a minus nine against a 14 win team which tied for the team high with Shemi Ojale I know a lot of people don't look into the plus minus things but in this case, it helps my point, so I'm going to move on with it. And then his net rating versus the Miami Heat, the Celtics were 16 points worse than the Orlando Magic when Romeo Lankford was on the floor. So sure, he had a couple good blocks. He had a couple good steals. He had a couple open shots. He had some clutch free throws at the end of the game in the Hawks game. But then when you see him play the Hawks and then you see him play the Thunder, he has a long way to go. And again, I hope I'm wrong, but for right now, Romeo Lankford is not worth a lottery pick. Anyways, moving on. The NBA trade trade deadline was last week. Again, I know a lot of people texted me asking me, are you happy with Danny? Should he have done the right thing? Off the bat, I'm okay with Danny not doing anything, I guess. My issue is how much longer can you sleep on these assets? You know, the Memphis pick is not going to work out the way that we were all hoping. Obviously, we wish the Sacramento Kings were as bad this year as unlike last year where they were good because then the Kings pick would have been even better. Um, but my whole thing is, is like there isn't enough room for three more rookies on this team. Like if you think about it next year, if Gordon Hayward leaves, you got like one empty spot, maybe two, and then you got three first round picks. They're all not going to fit. So you're going to get rid of, you're going to get rid of taco. You're going to get rid of Tremont. You're going to get rid of Carson Edwards, Javante green. Like who are you going to get rid of? I don't want this team to get younger. I want this team to get better. You know, find me a 27-year-old that's been in the league for a few years that's young enough, knows how to play in the league versus hoping someone works out late in the first round. And you can always find gems late in the first round. I mean, look at Draymond Green. Look at Isaiah Thomas. Like, those guys go late. There are sometimes good players that go late. But I don't like the chances of that. So sure, maybe give a couple assets up and get a reasonable player in return because this team like this team going forward will have Kemba, will have Brown, will have Tatum, will have Marcus Smart, and who knows, maybe they'll have Gordon Hayward too. That's five guys right there. So you're hoping one of these guys is gonna really like work out and outplay Cantor or Play or Tice or Brad Wanamaker for, for some minutes? I don't know. I honestly don't know, and that's that's where I get like a little frustrated with everything that's going on. But 
the other thing is, was there really a lot out there? Like, what was really available? A lot of people texting me being confused. Like, the Celtics could not afford Andre Drummond. I don't understand what the Cavs did by trading for Andre Drummond, keeping Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson. That was one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen. But the Celtics are at the cap. So they would have to give out $27 million back to the Cavs to take on uh, the Pistons to take on Andre Drummond's deal. So that's talking about giving up Gordon Hayward. That's talking about giving up Jalen Brown. It's talking about giving up Marcus Smart, Tice, and a couple draft picks for Andre Drummond before he becomes a free agent. Probably not ideal. The 76ers, you could say, got better. They picked up Glenn Robinson III and Alec Burke from the Golden State Warriors. And sure, you could say that's a little bit frustrating because the Celtics bench really isn't great. Sure, over the last two weeks, they've been playing very well. But overall in the season... You could say that the Celtics bench is lacking some scoring. Glenn Robinson III in his first game last night for for the 76ers went 5 of 6 from the field. He scored 11 points. So you say to yourself, okay, that would have been nice to have. And sure, I'm sure the Celtics have a shitload of second-round picks to give up since the 76ers only gave up three second-round picks for two reasonable bench guys in the NBA. So that's also... You know, that can be frustrating. I get that. The Heat got better with Andre Iguodala and getting Jay Crowder, but do you overreact to it too much? Jay Crowder's having one of his worst years shooting the three-point ball. Andre Iguodala's 36. He hasn't played in seven or eight months, and the Heat have now lost three games in a row. So I don't want to overreact that too much. Obviously, the Celtics can still be in the buyout market. The buyout market, I think, goes to like March 10th. I could be wrong, but I think it's somewhere in that range where a team can buy out someone and, you know, the Celtics can be aggressive in the buyout market. There were rumors that if the Cleveland Cavaliers were to give up or were to buy out Tristan Thompson, the Celtics would be favored to to get him, which obviously would be delightful and fantastic and perfect, Um, but I don't want to overreact to that. The Milwaukee Bucks somehow got better. The Charlotte Hornets bought out Marvin Williams. And even after Friday's game, Kemba said he's been trying to get Marvin Williams here for the last month if he did get bought out. And he's going to the Milwaukee Bucks, which can be frustrating. Did they try and go get Bertans? Reports are that they did. But is giving up two first-round draft picks for three months of a guy worth it? I don't know. It depends on who you ask. Would Bertans put us over the top versus the Bucks? I don't know. That's a that's a good question to ask. But giving up two first round picks for a guy who could be gone in three months, I completely understand why Danny wanted do Danny doesn't want to do that because you could take those three first round picks in a pretty weak draft class and move up in the draft and get a you know, a really good player that you'll have for four or five years versus having three guys and maybe one of them making the team. So that part I get, but I would have loved Bertrand. That would have been That would have been nice. All right, let's uh, recap the week. Uh, The Celtics have had a really nice week, especially versus the Hawks and the Magic, because they played so well despite all the health issues. Monday versus the Hawks, Kemba was out, Marcus Smart was out, the Time Lord was out, and they won. Wednesday versus the Magic, Kemba, Smart, Tice, and the Time Lord were out, and they won. And then Friday against the Hawks, you had Brown, Tatum, Tice, and Time Lord out, and they won as well. And then Sunday versus the Oklahoma City Thunder, everyone was healthy except for the Time Lord. The Time Lord, according to him, has been let out of his cage, and he should be practicing with the team fully with no restrictions 
after the All-Star break, which will be great because after the All-Star break, the Celtics go on a four-game West Coast road trip, including the Timberwolves, the Lakers, the Trailblazers, and the Utah Jazz. And speaking about the Trailblazers, Damian Lillard is a bad motherfucker. That dude is lighting up the NBA lately. He's averaging like 40 points a game over the last like two weeks. It's absolutely bananas, absolutely bananas. The Atlanta Hawks game. It was the first game of the week last Monday. It was in the it was in Atlanta on the road. The Celtics won one twenty three to one fifteen thanks to Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Gordon Hayward combining for seventy three points. That is fantastic, if you ask me. Brad decided to start Javante Green in this game over Brad Wanamaker, which I thought was a little odd. Obviously, Gordon Hayward is our perfect point forward. He can bring the ball up. He can facilitate the ball very well, and that obviously showed in this game. But I liked that Brad Stevens made the adjustments and started Brad Wanamaker in the second half, and it helped after scoring. After Wanamaker scored 10 points in the first half, Brad Wanamaker was really good this week. Brad Wanamaker, guys. I know a lot of people question me about Brad Wanamaker. Sometimes he takes some questionable shots, and we all know he never passes the ball on the fast break in any way, shape, or form. But he is physical and big and can guard multiple positions, and I think that goes a long way, especially in the playoffs. So that's why I've always kind of been a big big Brad Wanamaker guy. Like, sure, Carson Edwards or Brad Wanamaker shooting the ball. Who do you want? Sure, you take Carson Edwards. Who's more crafty getting to the basket? Brad Wanamaker or Tremont Waters? Sure, it's Tremont Waters. But who would you rather have guarding a six foot seven guy? Brad Wanamaker, who's thick. You know, I think he's like 6'2", 6'3". He's thick. Or would you rather have Tremont Waters or Carson Edwards guarding him? It's just my point. But anyways, obviously the Hawks are not on our... The Hawks are not a playoff team. Speak, Timmy, speak. Uh, after the first quarter in this game, the Celtics were down six because Trey Young and uh, Kevin Herter literally couldn't miss. They shot everything and anything, and it went in. It was so annoying. The Hawks went 10 of 21 in the first half from three, and somehow the Celtics were only down two, which is you don't hear that every day. Tatum then took over the third quarter. He scored 15 points. Jalen Brown added eight points as well. And the Celtics were up 11 going into the first quarter and you were uh the fourth quarter and you're saying to yourself hey don't play down to your competition and then they did and then they had four turnovers in one minute how frustrating is that i mean and they were lazy turnovers like hey we got this don't worry about it and it it's an issue that the celtics have had all year they played down to their competition and it, here they are like a perfect opportunity not to play down to your competition blow them out of the water Everyone can get healthy, and it didn't happen. Uh, the Hawks went on a 22-11 to run. Again, they couldn't miss. The Celtics couldn't do anything right, and it was super frustrating. Daniel Tice did roll his ankle in this game, and it looked bad. He was in a lot of pain. The ankle roll, I don't know, the ankle roll didn't seem like it was that bad, but, man, he was in a lot of pain. He needed help off the floor. He obviously missed uh, the... Wednesday game against the Magic, and then the Friday game against the Hawks as well. So obviously it really, really affected him. But the bench was really good in this game, and it was very, very important. One of the best games of the year from the bench. They scored 41 points between Shemi and Javante and Brad Wanamaker and Grant Williams. Grant Williams, by the way, guys, over the last two months, based on uh, percentage, is the best three-point shooter on the Boston Celtics. That is a fact. Remember how he missed his first 25 shots to start the year? He, 
Since then, when he made his first one, like over two months ago, he has been the best three-point shooter, percentage-wise, for the Boston Celtics. Absolutely crazy. Um, but Point Hayward in this game, I know I mentioned it earlier, six assists in this game. Gordon Hayward being able to bring the ball up to start an offense, to generate good offense, is fantastic. And it's going to help us out a great deal later on in the season to say, all right, if Kemba needs a night off and Marcus Smart is off or on the bench and Wanamaker isn't having a great game, we can rely on Hayward being the point forward. The negative about that is he can't really guard quicker guys, smaller, quicker guys, which is fine. But bringing the ball up, Gordon Hayward is a very good point forward for us. And it, I, I love when... If Gordon Hayward drops 14 points, 5 boards, and 6 assists, I think that's a great game for him. Is it worth $32 million? You can make that decision on your own. But I would rather have someone facilitate 6 different times than a bunch of iso ball. That's just me personally. But here we are. Anyways, all right. The Celtics then get a really nice win, 116-110 to over the Orlando Magic at TD Garden. Tatum, Brown, and Hayward came out strong to give the Celtics an 8-point lead at the end of the first quarter. Romeo's defense, like I mentioned on Evan Fournier, was very important to start the game because Fournier kind of heated up late in the... Was it late in the second half or was it the beginning of the second half? I think it was the beginning of the second half. He Fournier kind of lit up the Celtics defense and Romeo was on the floor, but he did force Evan Fournier to take some tough shots in the first quarter. So that was good. Um, and Tatum was hitting jumpers early. Hayward was hitting jump jumpers early. Jalen Brown was hitting jump jumpers early. So when the Celtics can start off fast and start off strong and everyone's hitting their shots, they're obviously very good. Very, very good. And then guess what happened again in the second quarter, the Celtics just got lazy. They played down to their competition once again. And this really has to stop happening because it could cost them a playoff spot. Like being the three to the four, the two to the three, four or five, whatever the case may be. We've got a long way to go. We're, I mean, the Celtics 35, we got 30 games left. The last thing I want to do is in March, lose to the New York Knicks at home on like Wednesday, March 18th at 730 because they played down to their competition. That would just drive me absolutely Absolutely crazy. But the Magic pulled within one at the half. So they outscored the Celtics by seven points in that second quarter, which wasn't great. But what do you know? Third quarter rolls around, and the Celtics come out stronger than ever. Gordon Hayward has 12 points. And I don't think I trust anything more in the world than Gordon's Hay- Gordon Hayward's mid-range jumper. When Gordon Hayward does that drive really hard and just stops on a dime spins around, fades away, right around the elbow, maybe two or three feet around the elbow. I know that's going in. He puts it up, and I know it's going in. He is making 47% of his mid-range jumpers this this year. I know a lot of people are saying mid-range jumpers are dead. They hate it. They think it's stupid, but it works for Gordon Hayward, and I'm all for it. He finds a way to make them look uncomfortable, but he finds a way to make them go in, and that's all that I care about. And the other thing that I cared about is seeing Jason Tatum take over games when he is needed. Kemba was not here in that game, you know, due to injury, left knee soreness, which is fine, a little concerning, 
but it's fine. And he hit multiple three-pointers, that being Jason Tatum, and he's really starting to take it to the next level. Like, what Jason Tatum did in this game in the fourth quarter is why he is on the All-Star team for the first time this year. He he was great. He wanted the ball. He asked for the ball. He took the ball. He made the shots. And if he can continue to do that, we are in for a real treat. If he can stick around and wants to re-sign for the Boston Celtics for a long, long time. And the other thing that I love is Jason Tatum is passing the ball a lot. He knows, he now knows I don't have to take every shot, but when I have a chance to shoot it, you're goddamn right I'm going to shoot it. And he had a great pass to Jalen Brown on a fast break, and we all know the Celtics are terrible at fast breaks, but he it was a nice bounce pass, led to Jalen. He went in for the dunk, and that was awesome. And Jalen rolled his ankle with about 46 seconds left in this game. To be honest with you, I don't know why he was still in the game. The Celtics were up at least 10 or 12 but at that point. Really no need for him to be in there, and he was, but it is what it is. And you know how I mentioned that Grant Williams, this is another thing. I'm literally just thinking about it. I'm going to have to double-check the box score, but I remember that Grant Williams shot the ball from three really, really well. (laughs) And, yeah, it looks like Grant Williams in this game, he went three or four from three. So, obviously, that 75% is going to help his percentages and why he leads the team in uh, three-point field goal percentage over the last two months. But right now, three-pointer, game on the line, who do you trust more? Your 14th overall pick in Romeo Langford or Grant Williams? Pfft, give me Grant Williams right now. Are you kidding me? All right. Second game uh, versus the Atlanta Hawks. Let's recap that one real quick because this was one of those games where I was just like, you guys have to be kidding me. This game, they had no Trey Young. They had no DeAndre Hunter. Like, they didn't have a lot of guys in this game, but somehow Kevin Herter found a way to shoot the lights out and keep the Hawks into it. The Celtics ended up winning. That's all that matters. You know, they won 112-107. to 107. Cantor, oh, we're going to talk about Cantor in a second, folks. But in the first quarter, the Celtics didn't play down to their competition at all. And Cantor started the game because he was replacing Daniel Tice. They had a 14-point lead in the first quarter. They were hitting everything. And then what happened? The Atlanta Hawks decided to play zone defense again. And then everything went to shit because Brad tried... So hard, so, so hard with different lineups that just didn't work at all. The Celtics then went scoreless for six straight minutes. They did not make a basket or free throw for six minutes after being up 14, all because they saw a 2-3 zone defense. Herter obviously helped them do it. He was hot. He was hitting anything and everything. John Collins, so good. He was doing every anything and everything. And then the Celtics were only up two after one. Then you're starting to feel uneasy. The Celtics went on a 10-0 run, and you're like, good. But then the Hawks answered with an 8-0 run, and then they went back and forth, and the Celtics were only up one against the Atlanta Hawks without Trey Young. That's a freaking joke. That was an embarrassing performance in the first half. To start off that strong, to have a 14-point lead, to let the Hawks creep back in, to then go, oh, okay, maybe we should we should play better. Go on a 10-0 run. Hawks come back on an 8-0 run. To only be up one is an absolute joke. Absolute joke. Now, starting the third quarter, once again, again, this is becoming a theme, but this theme needs to end quickly because I cannot stand playing a good first five minutes, survive for the next, what, 
19, 20 minutes and then come out strong in the third and hopefully everything works out. I can't do that anymore with this Celtics team. I, I've preached it all year. I want a full 48 minutes of good basketball. It's tough to find lately. And I know I'm complaining about a team that has won 10 out of their last 11 in seven straight games. But when you're playing the Houston Rockets this week and you're playing the Los Angeles Clippers this week and you play bad for five minutes, you're not going to be able to catch up or they're going to take the lead and not let you take it back. So a 14-point lead versus the Houston Rockets and the Los Angeles Clippers is awesome. But if you let them even see the light of day, I promise you it will not have the same ending as the Atlanta Hawks and the Orlando Magic. That is an absolute promise. So I'm being strict, but fair. I'm happy about this win streak, but there are still are some things to work on, and I got faith that they will work on it during the All-Star break. But Ennis Cantor and Kemba Walker in this third quarter came out doing big things. The Celtics went on a 17-4 run, and the two of them combined for 12 of those points. Cantor had 16 points in 15 rebounds. Six of those were offensive. And did someone say Ennis Cantor? Yes, I do believe they did. Was he back earlier than I thought? As a matter of fact, yes, he was. And guess what? When Ennis Cantor gets a double-double, the Celtics are undefeated. Ennis Cantor got his eighth double-double against the Hawks on Friday night. Celtics won. So, with that being said, let's get into a lengthy, hard-working, well-deserved Cantor banter. Let's go. He's a man who loves to get a double-double, but when it comes to the Turkish government, he's in a lot of trouble. It's time for Cantor banter, baby. Wow! So the Celtics obviously go into the fourth quarter with a nice lead. Herter came out doing everything right. John Collins came out doing everything right. But the best part was Jason Tatum said, no soup for you. All set. I'm good. He took over this basketball game. There was a lineup that Brad Stevens had in the fourth quarter. That was Brad Wanamaker, Shemi Ojale, Grant Williams, Romeo Langford, and Jason Tatum. And what did he do? He became an all-star again hit big shots, took over games, and his step-back three, man. This year, his step-back three is so deadly. Oh, my God. His dribble, 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 step-back three. Oh, it like the last couple of years, you've been like, oh, Jesus, don't do it. Oh, he missed it. Now, you're like, oh, there's a really good chance that this is going to go in, and it's great to watch. But Jason Tatum taking over that fourth quarter – and making sure the Hawks did not win that game is exactly what you want to see as a Celtics fan. Especially without Kemba, without Smart, without Gordon Hayward. Like, huh, that was a nice, nice, nice game by Jason Tatum. Borderline ridiculous nice game from Jason Tatum. Absolutely unbelievable. All right. 
One more game to recap, which is the Oklahoma City Thunder game that happened yesterday, or for those who are listening on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, this past Sunday. Uh, I think this is one of my favorite wins of the year. I mean, obviously the Lakers game was great. Obviously the Bucks game. Obviously the 76ers game. All great games. But going into this game, the Oklahoma City Thunder were playing very good basketball. I think they won like nine out of their last ten, and they were playing very, very well. Playing in Oklahoma City is a tough place to play in. And here's the best part. Everyone was healthy, minus the Time Lord. I think, if I remember this properly, I think the starting lineup that we had, you know, of Kemba, Hayward, Brown, Tatum, and Tice, this was only like the 16th time like they all started together. You thought it was more, but with so many injuries here and there, it's it was pretty, pretty crazy. So the Celtics had a hard time defending that three-guard lineup of CP3, uh, Alexander, and Schroeder. Schroeder always plays well against the Celtics, man. I swear to God he does. You know, he was he was really good in this game. I mean, he had 22 points, 3 of 7 from 3, 7 rebounds. He always plays well against the Celtics for whatever reason. Maybe he's like, I know everyone called him the German Rondo back in the day when he came into the league, but I don't know. He, he like, hates the Celtics for, like, whatever reason. But... Chris Paul, I understand that he can't win in the playoffs for the life of him, but man, he is such a good point guard. You know, I played point guard my entire life, and I wasn't the greatest point guard. I was probably a shitty point guard compared to Chris Paul, but that dude is just, he, I don't know, he may palm the ball a lot, but Man, he's just so good. He's so crafty at getting into the paint. His fadeaway mid-range jumper is just spot on. It's, you know, if I was an Oklahoma City Thunder fan, I would be saying, like I said earlier about uh, Gordon Hayward's mid-range jumper, there's nothing I trust more than a Chris Paul mid-range jumper. He's he's very, very good. And speaking about things that are very, very good, the Oklahoma City Thunder dominated the paint early in this game. It was very good. They were up, they... <clears throat> he dropped 32 points on the Celtics in the first quarter, and 14 of those points were in the paint. The Celtics only had four points in the paint overall. Not really ideal <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. Overall, the Celtics ended up with 34, and they limited the Oklahoma City Thunder to another 26, which over three quarters, which you know was great, which is only like eight points you know per quarter, which is better than the 14 there. The Celtics scored seven or eight points early in the second quarter and kind of took back the lead. They were up four or five, and then someone by the name of Romeo Lankford came in, and the Thunder just attacked Romeo. He didn't stay on his feet. He picked up a few fouls. He was a minus eight. They came back, took the lead, and then they were they were up, what, nine? Yeah, I think they were up nine going into the half. So really not a great way to end the half, but... Guess what happened? Celtics came out strong in the third quarter. Brown, Tatum, and Hayward um, <clears throat> combined for 26 out of 32 points for the Celtics in that quarter. Kemba was not shooting the ball in any way, shape, or form. He was 6 of 16 from the field. He did hit some big threes in the fourth quarter. I mean, bad mamma shots, ballsy shots. That was the type of stuff that, like, why you get Kemba Walker. I know I've said it before. He played very well, but... I need Kemba to, like, if he shot at, like, 10 of 16 and then also hit those shots, like, he scored 27 points. But, like, how? Sure, he went to the free throw line 11 times. I mean, uh, 13 times and hit 11 of those free throws, which 
which is great to see. You love to see it. But, like, I'm a little, I don't know, it's weird. I'm a little worried about Kemba. His left knee is bothering me. He's always been so healthy. Sure, is it rest days and, you know, load management, blah, 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 blah. But I don't know. He's not shooting the ball that great. Left knee soreness isn't great. I'd prefer if he just didn't play in the All-Star game and literally just took a whole week off. Because, sure, Jason Tatum is playing at a ridiculous level right now. I hope it continues. And I and I know it will continue the rest of the year. But we also need Kemba, too. And we can't have Kemba shooting 6 of 16 from the field in the playoffs. Can't be doing that. Sure. We can have him going to the free throw line 13 times. I'd love that. Every game. You kidding me? The entire Celtics team, everyone that played, shot a total of 14 free throws. Kevin Walker shot 13 of them. I mean, uh, 13. So literally, it was 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. 10 guys played yesterday. Nine of them shot a total of 14 free throws, and Kevin shot 13. That's awesome. You love to see it. But at the same time, it's just like, Dude, can you maybe just hit a couple more jumpers? That'd be great. I'd, I'd really appreciate that. Um, but yeah, the third quarter, Celtics came out. Uh, they ended up tied with the Thunder going into the fourth quarter. And Tatum took over. Kemba took over. Games were going back and forth. Thunder missed a couple layups. The Celtics were rebounding the ball well. They hit their free throws when they needed to. And Brad Wanamaker and Daniel Tice were awesome in this game. They were physical. They played big. I mean, Daniel Tice, 13 points, 11 boards. He had five assists. A great game, especially against Steven Adams. Steven Adams is like a gladiator. Like, he, Steven Adams should have been in the movie 300. And Daniel Tice, like, looks like me. <laughs> you know, 5'10", skinny little bitch compared to Steven Adams. But he hung in there. He was physical. He rebounded the ball so well. I was real. He had five offensive rebounds. That's exactly what you want to see. Oh man, I loved it. I loved it so much. It was great to see this whole team be healthy. Get a really good win on the road. And we got to see if they can do it again against the Houston Rockets. But before we get into the preview of the Houston Rockets and Los Angeles Clippers game, let's do stud and dud of the week. And now, it is time for the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud of the week. Okay, this week's Celtics stud and dud of the week. Folks, the stud is obviously Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum has scored 20 points or more in nine straight games. And after the Celtics win on Friday... We, got, we found out some two very cool stats. Only four Celtics players have ever scored 30 points, had five assists, two blocks, and made five three-pointers in the same game. Jason Tatum did that in back-to-back games. Like, are you kidding me? That's awesome. And I'm a little biased towards Jason Tatum because he's a Dukie and I saw him play his entire freshman season at Duke. And to see him play at Duke to what he's doing right now is incredible. His growth is incredible. He, the, his killer instinct is incredible. I'm loving it. And I'm so happy for Jason. He deserves it. He works his absolute ass off. He's a great dad. 
He's a great basketball player. I'm just so happy for him. He is also the youngest Celtics player in the history of the Celtics. Well, not really. Only in the last 35 years. But I just felt like that sounded better. But in the last 35 years, he is the youngest Celtics player to score 30 points and have five assists in one game. Absolutely unbelievable. And here's the craziest part. Jason Tatum is now your leading point scorer, points per game on average, for the Boston Celtics. He has now taken over Kemba's walk, Kemba Walker's spot. Absolutely incredible. Hopefully it can continue after the All-Star break. Hopefully Jason continues to play well, and hopefully he ignores everything LeBron James says about coming to play for the Los Angeles Lakers because we all know Jason Tatum's obsessed with Kobe Bryant. Rest in peace, Kobe. It still doesn't seem like real, you know? Like, a lot of teams are still doing tributes. The Golden State Warriors over the weekend did a great tribute to Kobe and Gianna and the other seven survivors. I mean, uh, passengers that were on there. Sorry, I shouldn't have said survivors. Passengers. My apologies. But it just doesn't seem real that Kobe is, like, still gone. It's absolutely, absolutely crazy. But anyways, Jason Tatum, your stud of the week crazy crazy stuff i actually feel like really bad that i said survivors but i'm gonna move past it so yeah anyways all right your dud is the nba changing the three-point contest folks i think i mentioned this last year when i did the podcast before the all-star break i love nba all-star saturday night it is one of my favorite nights of the year like top five like duke unc and speaking of duke unc you guys know i'm a dookie and I love my Duke Blue Devils. And there is nothing that I love more than beating North Carolina, especially in the Dean Dome. Wendell Moore at the buzzer in overtime. What a world. What a win. Way to go, fellas. Shout out to Trey Young. What a ballsy, ballsy performance he played. But anyways, I love NBA All-Star Saturday night. NBA All-Star Saturday night, I would literally have my mom like, and my dad VHS record everything the three-point contest the dunk contest the rookie game you name it and i would sit there and i'd watch it on repeat all the time i loved it i absolutely loved it and i still love it and the nba is changing the three-point contest and i don't like it i don't like it one bit you want to change the dunk contest fine you want to change the taco bell skill challenge which is something new and cool fine you don't change the three-point contest all right i'm already not happy that they're the voice of the guy who did it in like the 90s who went three, two, one, go. Like, I miss that. Okay. But don't change. It's so perfect. You get 60 seconds to shoot what? Five racks of five balls. Four of them are worth one point, and then each one is a money ball. You know, that, like, that's the bee's knees. That's the way to do it. But now they are adding two extra shots, six feet behind the three-point line, and those will be worth three points each. No. No, 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 no. Don't change it. Don't change it. It's a nice product. Don't freaking change it. <clears throat> Anyways, that's going to be your dud of the week because, I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> Celtics have won seven in a row. Ten out of their last 11. <clears throat> Not a lot to complain about. You know what I'm saying? All right, let's preview these Rockets and Clippers games before this podcast comes to an end. Uh, the Rockets game is tomorrow night, if you're listening on Monday. Uh, if you're listening on Tuesday, the Rock, Rocket game is tonight at 9.30 in Houston. And then they play the Los Angeles Clippers Thursday night at TD Garden, the last game before the All-Star break, at 8 p.m. on TNT at TD Garden. 
The Houston Rockets made some moves over the deadline. They got rid of Clint Capella and got back Robert Covington. The Rockets are now playing the definition of small ball, and it might work out, and it might not. I mean, they did beat the Lakers last Thursday, and P.J. Tucker was their center. P.J. Tucker is like a taller Marcus Smart by like two or three inches. P.J. Tucker is one of the most physical and toughest guys in the league. I would not want to fuck with him in any way, shape, or form. I feel like he would just destroy you. And P.J. Tucker also has probably one of the best sneaker collections you will ever see in your entire life. If you're a sneakerhead like myself, Google P.J. Tucker's sneaker collection. And if you think you're a sneakerhead, you look at it and go, oh, well, yeah, cool. I collect sneakers too, but not as much as you. And you'll literally feel like you're worthless. Anyways, heading into this game, the Houston Rockets have lost two games in a row. They lost to the Phoenix Suns on the road after they beat the Lakers. And then they lost to the Utah Jazz at the buzzer at home last night or Sunday night, whatever the case may be. James Harden is still your leading scorer in the NBA. Russell Westbrook over the last 10 games has been ridiculous. He's averaging over 30 points a game in those 10 games. So the two of them combined, if they're each hitting their average over the last 10 games, is like 65 points apiece, which is like half their points. Obviously, you have Eric Gordon, who's one of the most clutch sneakiest, really good shooting role guys you have in the league. So keep an eye out for him. Robert Covington can hit threes like no tomorrow as well. So hopefully you throw anything and everything in Harden and Westbrook and then keep an eye out on Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon's going to have five or six open threes in this game. It's going to drive me absolutely nuts. I know it's going to happen, and I know I shouldn't get angry because I know it's going to happen, but I'm still going to be angry because I know it's going to happen, and it still happens, and he's going to hit three or four of them, and it's going to be really annoying. The Rockets and the Celtics always have these good matchups. They go back and forth, but the Celtics don't win a lot down in Houston, and it has shown lately, and it's been frustrating, but I think... Cantor being physical, Grant Williams being physical, Tice being physical, it could go a long way for them. I don't expect to see Jalen Brown over these next couple games. Jalen Brown rolled his other ankle against the Thunder. It was a different, obviously, the different ankle in the Magic game. So he doesn't, he literally said after the game, he doesn't know what ankle to limp on. So that's really not ideal. So if you want to set out Jalen for these two games and you lose both of these games, not ideal, but understandable because I'd rather have a healthy Jalen Brown have give basically give him like almost two weeks off to rest and come back healthy because this because these next five games against the T Wolves, the Lakers, the Trailblazers, the Jazz, and then the Rockets after the All Star break is more important than these Rocket this upcoming Rocket and Clippers game in my opinion. In my opinion. So, be physical, rebound the ball, get out in their shooters, and you should be able to compete against the Rockets at home. Finally, we have the Los Angeles Clippers. They have won four out of their last five, including a blowout loss to the Minnesota Timberwolves. I mean, it was just like a fluke game. The Minnesota Timberwolves scored 142 points, and the Clippers only scored 115. Like, that's a fluke game. Absolutely a fluke game. They play the Philadelphia 76ers the same night the Celtics play the Rockets, so it'll be interesting to keep an eye out on that. Um, I believe the Clippers 76ers game is on TNT at 7, and then the Celtics game is right after it at 9.30. So I'm definitely going to be checking out both. 
Absolutely. Patrick Beverly is day-to-day with a groin injury, so it'll be interesting to see when he comes back and if he plays. And then Kawhi Leonard is also day-to-day as well, but I expect him to play in both the Philly and the Celtics game. Or if he only wants to play the Philly game and wants to take the night off before uh, he plays the Celtics, you know, uh, you know, that's okay with me. Obviously, the last time these two teams played was really, really good. Um you know, that was that old crazy overtime game where Jason Tatum hit that shot at the buzzer right in front of Paul George. Um, you know, the Clippers won that game. Patrick Beverly had 16 points. Jalen Brown shot 3 of 14. That's not going to happen again. E- even if Jalen Brown does decide to play, it's just not going to happen. He's not going to shoot 3 of 14 again. And Patrick Beverly isn't going to, you know, hit or make 16 points again. So I don't think it's going to happen again. What was crazy about that Clippers Celtics game was the rebounds were the same. The assists were the same, and the steals were the same. They were like legit tied in all three of those categories in that game. Absolutely crazy. But here's the thing. The Celtics can't be shooting 45 three-pointers because they only made 12 of them. And I understand it was a West Coast trip. It was the last game on the West Coast trip. Blah, 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 blah. Fine, touche, whatever. But you can't be shooting 45 threes against the Los Angeles Clippers. They're not a great three-point shooting team. So beat them at their own game. Be physical with them. Attack the basket. Get to the free throw line. Let's make it happen. All right? So next week will be a shorter version of the podcast. I'll recap NBA All-Star Weekend and then preview the T-Wolves and Lakers game. And we'll kind of go from there. But thank you for listening to Episode 68 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I really appreciate it. You can find me on the Twitter machine at BannerBancher18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. Hope everyone has a great week, and I hope everyone has a lovely Valentine's Day, the worst holiday of all time. But anyways, uh, I love the Boston Celtics, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Toodles and noodles, X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.